Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Tracy Poisner. Tracy is a parenting coach and the host of the weekly Essential Stepmom podcast. She's the biological mom and a stepmom and has been through it all from long-distance parenting to parental alienation, legal difficulties, mental health issues, total loss of contact, and full-time physical custody. After finding the light at the end of the tunnel, she wanted to share her experiences with others who were still behind her on the same path. Tracy has a special perspective on emotional healing and how to meet our own personal needs as stepmoms in the everyday chaos of this challenging lifestyle. She helps stepmoms and families minimize conflict and disruption in their lives and find calm, peace, harmony, gratitude, respect, and affection, and achieve justice in the face of divorce and custody conflicts. This is going to be a very important episode if you have children and if you're co-parenting, step-parenting, divorced, separated, betrayed, or any other situation that could potentially put your children in the middle of any of it. I'm about to have a conversation with Tracy Poisner, and we're talking about overcoming parental alienation. You're going to learn what you may be doing that's eroding the confidence, self-esteem, sense of safety and security in your child. But don't worry, she'll also share with you how to fix it. Here we go. Okay, everybody, we have Tracy Poisner with us today. And yes, we talk about the betrayal of a family member, partner, friend, coworker, self. Today, we're talking specifically about the the betrayal of a child. And we see this often um, when there's the role of, you know, when there are step parents involved and, and, you know, second marriages and third marriages and things like that. So I brought in the expert to, to help us through. So help us with that. So if you're a step parent, this is a very important episode. Grab your pen and paper. You're going to get a lot out of this. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we were just talking right before I hit record and you had mentioned the three different types of betrayal that a child goes through in these types of situations. Can you, can you explain what you meant? Sure. So I'm talking specifically about the betrayal of a child by their own biological parent. And this tends to happen in the, you know, in the aftermath of the breakup of a family, a divorce, a separation, whatever it might be, where the child is being used essentially uh, as a, as a weapon from, you know, between the parents and, this is super, super common. I'm like, I'm really saddened to say that I think I've heard about 80% of kids of oh, wow. uh, divorced households are experiencing some level of parental alienation and that it may not be as extreme, you know, the extreme versions are where, you know, that one parent is not allowing any contact from the other parent. And th- that's really extreme. It's not always uh, so harsh as that. But it can even be just where, well, the the three types, let's go Mm -hmm. into that. I would say the first type is kind of emotional blackmail, Mm -hmm. which is betraying the parent-child dynamic of care, where the child is being made to be an emotional support for their parent. And that's where it's like, um, I'm so unhappy. I feel so lonesome when you go to visit your dad or, you know, uh, I can't stand it when you come back to your mom's because you, from your mom's, because you have all this attitude. I mean, where there's some kind of Mm -hmm. emotional hook 
to the child fulfilling their their own emotional needs via the you know the other parent their presence of the other parent so that yeah and i imagine that makes the child feel so guilty here they are just trying to see both parents and then the the other parent is just laying on the guilt about what they're yeah well parents forget that a child is created from half mother and half father that's a biological reality there's no way of getting around that half of each of us every single cell of your body is half mom and half dad and nothing else there are no other ingredients so when you when you even subtly suggest that a child should reject some of their other parent you are asking them to reject half of themselves which they will gladly do because that's how we're wired we're wired to to seek the unconditional approval of our parents and we'll gladly feel miserable if it makes mm-hmm. our mom or dad happy that's what we do so so that's the first thing the kind of subtle emotional blackmail where maybe the parent is not saying bad things about the other parent but they are allowing the child to feel responsible for them mm-hmm. and they're giving the impression that that if they love their other parent they are hurting that that parent so that if i love my dad it's painful for my mom now are there because everybody listening watching i want them to know are are there certain things like the do not say this would it be would there be certain things that you'd say oh absolutely this is going to yeah but that's a i think it's a bigger conversation you know that we're we're talking to parents of kids who are having to share their child now with somebody who has broken their heart, hurt their feelings, pissed them off, whatever, like it's a very, very hard thing to do. So it's really, it's really hard to monitor yourself for those kind of things. But I would say that it would be not correct to tell a child that you miss them when they're away. Mm-hmm. You want to tell them that you'll be thinking of them, that you want them to have a good time, that you can't wait to hear you know, what happened. But it's not helpful for them to understand that, that you have big feelings around them going away, because Mm -hmm. that's not, it's not the right dynamic. They shouldn't ever, a child shouldn't ever be, be made to feel responsible for your feelings, which are your responsibility 100%. And I'm sure you talk about this in your other episodes, right? That whatever somebody did to betray you, you are responsible for how you feel about that. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the parent has to remind themselves that their feelings about the child going to the other parent belong to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not the child's job to even know about what your feelings are. It doesn't mm-hmm. make them feel like you love them more to know how much you miss them. Mm-hmm. You're just happy to see them go and want them to have a good time and you're happy when they come back. That would be the, the ideal but it's, right. of course, it's hard for people to do that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What's the second one? The second type, if the first one was this kind of emotional blackmail of overt or subtle, the second one is brainwashing, mm. which is, I, I guess a psychologist would say that this is where a parent is triangulating the child into the adult conflict by saying things about the other parent that are meant to get the child onto your side. So making the child a 
a partner in this conflict uh, saying, your dad doesn't, you know, pay any child support. He doesn't care about you anyway. He was so mean to me. You won't believe some of the things that your dad did, you know, you know, whatever we all or your mom, whatever. It's equally happening between dads and moms. I don't right. think there's any divide on gender lines around how this happens. And I could see that being so challenging because the facts can be absolutely true, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's, it's something to share with the child. Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, a person can be a terrible spouse and still be a good parent. And I'm not even talking about good parenting because your mother and your father are the best mother and father for you. Nobody, we wish for our parents maybe to be better parents, but nobody wishes to have a different mother. Like you wake up and say, I wish that, you know, the school crossing guard was my mother instead of mm -hmm. me or my piano teacher or my little league coach or whatever. Like you want your own mother to be a better mother, but, mm -hmm. uh, but you have the best mother and the best father for you. So uh, it's, it's really difficult to figure out how, you know, to understand how people can be not suitable as life partners to each other, but that it's the only dad you're ever going to have in your mm -hmm. life and the only mom you'll ever have. And that your bond with them or your conflict with them belongs to you. And if this person is a, is really, uh, let's say a high conflict type of person or a narcissist, cause this is, you know, the, the big buzzword now is how many, how many of us are divorced from people who were narcissists. The, the child has to work out slowly their own relationship with that parent. Mm -hmm. And they're going to find out that dad actually is an asshole at some mm -hmm. point, mm -hmm. or mom really was a bitch. And mm -hmm. she is one to me too. It, that's part of their life journey to learn that through their own relationship with their parent. Obviously, given that we're not talking about um, abuse, in which case there's probably some, hopefully some kind of restraining order or whatever, keeping the child safe. That's a, that's a different issue. But I'm talking about really triangulating a child into the conflict by, you know, ask your dad, ask your dad to give me the money that he owes me for last month's child support mm, payments. Or, you know, tell your mom her piece of shit boyfriend is not allowed to be in the same room with you though you know those kind of things where the child becomes uh, be, their mind gets filled with negative descriptions negative impressions negative talk about the other parent and and you know and, I, and then i imagine they feel that's what they're supposed to believe you know i remember so many years ago um there was a, a an, an aunt an uncle that had a falling out with my parents I, mean, I was a little kid and they stopped talking to them and then i was like oh okay i guess they're bad i'm supposed to stop talking to them yeah. and that stuck with me and then they made up and i was like oh are we good now i'm supposed yeah. to be okay with them yeah. and it 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 really was so that was you know it's interesting because when you see things like that and you do something with it you know then it's then it's an issue well served and i remember saying i'm not going to do that with my kids and there have been many instances where i i was determined to just keep it to myself leave it up to them whatever their conclusion was that was fine about yeah. whoever 
And, and that was a, a lesson learned from that. What's the third one? The third one, we've done this emotional blackmail and brainwashing mm -hmm. where a, a child just becomes sort of used to the idea that there's something bad about my dad or my mom or many mm -hmm. things, or they're a bad person. The third one would be gaslighting. Mm. Uh, and, and this for, is uh, it, for those uh, it, who are listening who don't know what gaslighting is. Can yeah. you explain that? Well, gaslighting, it's becoming a more popular phrase, but it's referring to the title of a movie from the 1940s, Gaslight, it's a movie with Ingrid Bergman, if you're into older movies. And she plays a woman who uh, gets married to a guy who is secretly trying to make her insane by manipulating the surroundings so that she thinks she's losing her mind. And he's manufacturing uh, proof that her reality is not what she thinks that it is. So gaslight, he's, he's making the gas lamps in the house flicker. And she keeps saying the lights are flickering. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he brings in other people to say, I don't know what you're talking about. So gaslighting is betraying a kind of sacred trust between a parent and a child that the child can only believe that the parent always has their best interests at heart. Mm. And where a parent would deliberately manufacture an appearance of reality to manipulate the child's deeply held belief system, uh, that's really cruel and horrible. So that's where we're talking about, let's say the mom who knows already that dad told her that he can't make it this weekend to pick mm -hmm. up the kids. And she lets the kids get ready and wait by the door. Mm. And then she says, that's your dad. He's so unreliable. I'm really sorry that your dad is like that. That's gaslighting mm. where it's the only way that they can, it's the only reality they can believe. And she manufactures it to make it happen. Or I read, um, uh, you know, and I'm going to stop you here because I can yeah. imagine some people are saying, well, but with what you just said, isn't that I'm giving my child the opportunity to learn on their own who their No, because mom the dad, dad, dad told the mom that he couldn't come. Okay. She had to say, your dad can't come this weekend. Mm -hmm. Then she could, if she wants to do brainwashing, then she can say, that's because your dad is so unreliable or because he doesn't love you or he doesn't care about you. But she's manufacturing this situation. She mm -hmm. knows he's not coming. Okay, got this it. This happens, by the way. It's yeah. just awful. I read an, a piece in a local um, advice column in our newspaper. The, and the woman was saying that her adult, she, she has no contact with her adult children. And it's all because of something that happened. She said, I made a stupid mistake. And, you know, I, was, I raised my kids on my own. And at one point, I didn't give them less that their dad gave me when they were kids to give to him, to them. And my eldest daughter found the letters at one point, a few years before her father passed away, is how she put it. And then the, my daughters went to a memorial service for their dad. And ever since then, their dad's family has turned them against me. And now they don't talk to me anymore. And I just looked at that and I said, well, I have a completely different take on that. You withheld the communication from their dad and you told them that he didn't want to have anything to do with them and you knew that wasn't true and you kept his letters and didn't let them they could have a relationship with their dad and say you know what i 
every time I see him, I come away feeling bad. I don't want to do that anymore. That's different. Mm-hmm. But she manufactured proof that he didn't want to have any connection with them. And they can't forgive her for that. Right. Does the person who's gaslighting, like in that scenario, do they ever wake up and say, oh my gosh, what, what the heck did I do? That was so wrong. And try to try to fix it in some way? Or is it, you know, I, they're so far gone. There's little I think that. that someone who would do that is probably so far gone. That's my guess. I, certainly the woman who wrote this letter had said that she hadn't had any contact with her daughters in four years and mm-hmm. they have kids and she wishes that she could see them and she tried traveling to where they live. I think that if she had said, tell me what I did wrong, mm-hmm. I know I, or I know I made mistakes, I, I want to do it better. But the way she had put it in this letter, if I could believe the person who was, you know, the advice column person, she said, it's all because of a stupid mistake I made. And she's brushing off something that's really, really deeply wrong as mm-hmm. a stupid mistake. Mm-hmm. So I think until she can say, I betrayed the deepest trust of my children in order to further my own sense of, you know, to get revenge basically on my husband. Mm. And I had no idea how painful that would be for them, particularly since the husband died and they didn't really get to have a full relationship with him. They, there's, they can't recover from that. And she doesn't understand what the problem is. And, and also just even in the way you phrase that, there's taking full responsibility for that type of behavior. And then when there's full responsibility, you have something to work with. Yeah. But if someone isn't even willing to take a look at their actions, behaviors, and just brushing it off and putting the, the blame on someone else, you're really wasting your time. No, I, I agree. And I know a woman who, uh, it's really, anyway, it doesn't matter, but she told me recently that she apologized to her adult kids mm-hmm. for having left them behind when she she separated from her husband and got divorced. And after a number of years, she moved to another state. So she was about 800 miles away. And there was a lot of visiting back and forth, but the kids really felt that they had been abandoned. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to see it at the time because she was working on building up her career. And she eventually married another guy and had another child. And as an adult, she went to her kids and said, I need to apologize for that. It was wrong of me mm-hmm. to allow you to feel that I was abandoning you. And I guess I really did because the truth is I moved away and I hope that you can forgive me for that. If you're not ready to, that's okay too. But I want you to know that I I want to apologize for having done that to you. And, And of course that made a whole new, that changed everything in their relationship, but you have to own your piece right. of it. And I imagine that's a whole extra le- level of it. I, I remember uh, seeing the movie Rocket Man, you know, with yeah. Elton John's movie. And I'll never forget that scene where he, his, his dad just didn't really take much of an interest in him. And then he goes later on in life yeah. and there his dad is with his, you know, new family yeah. Yeah. And, and the deep pain that he, that he felt. And, you know, and I'm sure that's something that's so common that they just oh, feel yeah. the abandonment, feeling disregarded and, and sort of, you know, thrown away for the new. 
of you know, course. for the new family. Who wouldn't? Who yeah. wouldn't feel like that? So if you don't want them to feel that, you have to take certain very specific steps to make sure that that's not happening because that would be the default from okay. anybody. So, so my hope is someone listening, watching this says, oh my gosh, I, I didn't really look at it that way. And I see that now. What would be some steps they could take right now? Well, I think there are two, um, there are two kinds of situations to consider. One is where you have a child. I mean, if you're a parent who's doing this, I hope the solution is listening to this and saying, shit, I didn't think about it. That's me. I have to stop doing that. That would be great. Mm -hmm. If you have a child in your home who's experiencing this kind of betrayal by their other parent, the first thing I think that's really important is to not try to fix it by saying, can't you see that your other parent is betraying you? Because then you just flip the, you just flip the dynamic. The, the thing that is painful is being uh, this, this inner divide of that one half of me is always not good wherever I'm standing. If I'm in my mother's house, half of me that is my dad is not okay. And when I go to my dad's house, the other half is not okay. So I have no place in the world where I can be whole. Mm. That's, that's the problem. So it doesn't serve you as a parent to bring this to the child's attention that, that they're being lied to. Um, this, that kind of strategy, I think you have to rely on a rich strategy of nonverbal communication. And I have some of that that I can talk about. Yeah, I, I would. I, yeah, go, go ahead. I was just going to say the other the other piece is that there's some people have a child in their home who is very aware that they've been betrayed by the other parent, mm -hmm. and that's about working on healing that deep sadness. It doesn't help to say, you know, get over it. Your mother's a piece of shit. I, you know, that's why I left her. She was terrible to me too. That that doesn't help to heal the sadness. Then mm -hmm. we're talking about therapy, about energetic healing techniques, which I'm all about, brain gym, touch for health, EFT, that's tapping, mm -hmm. uh, EMDR, neuro-linguistic programming, using essential oils, Bach flowers, homeopathy, which is my, uh, that's where I, the world I'm coming from, homeopathic medicine. So mm -hmm. we have a lot of rich tools for helping somebody to overcome this grief and sadness, but, but those are the two kind of situations. And I love that you brought up those other tools because talk therapy can be wonderful, but that's only hitting it on one level and right. the issues are in the tissues. We need to really get, <laughs> get into it and get deep there. So, so how does this affect a child where the parents have been married two, three times? What would oh, be God. different about this scenario? Um, well, I think, um, oh, I, I think that it's possible for a child to just integrate the idea that there is only betrayal waiting for them in life. Like, I don't know how you could move forward and have healthy relationships without, without looking for ways that you could repeat that experience so that it could come out differently for you. I mean, those are kids who are, who are heading into such a difficult adult life of, of difficult relationships. And not always. I mean, I've met lots of women who tell me I've had two, three stepmoms or stepdads or both, mm -hmm. and who seem to be in stable, really nice relationships. And I think sometimes someone will take that life experience and say, I'm so not going there where I mm -hmm. came from. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it differently. And 
it's a struggle because they're, you know, it's a struggle to stay conscious and aware and to, to say, it's so important to me to not repeat that, that I'm keeping this at the forefront of my mind all the time. And I'm getting all the help that I need because yeah, and that's an important point because it's so easy just to, you know, you, something happens and you remember and you regurgitate what you learned. And here, it, what you're saying is it takes a very deliberate, uh, conscious choice to do something very differently because of what you learned. It And then those people who hurt you the most are definitely your greatest teachers. Uh, and you have an opportunity to look and say, okay, I learned what to do and certainly what not to do. And then, as I say, it's trauma well served. Okay, how does, what, what goes on? Tell us about how we could be betrayed in the courtroom with these oh types of things. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, that's just the experience of so many people. I mean, courts are possibly the worst place to live out this kind of family situation. Because, and why is that? Oh, I think... I think the whole setup is wrong. The whole setup is so, um, it's, it's a pure adversarial terrain. It's not set up for any kind of, of um, consensus or even compromise. It's just a, a decision. And usually nobody's happy, completely happy. Some, sometimes somebody's really happy, but uh, you know, I learned this and I think it's, it's an interesting concept, but the difference between compromise and consensus and mm -hmm. where, they're, where, where those things are useful and where they're not useful. So compromise is useful for a short-term goal, a decision that has to be made right away uh, to just to move forward. Mm -hmm. but, but compromise involves, generally speaking, both people losing something, mm. both people being a little bit not happy in order to get a result. Right. And when the long-term goal is relationships, that's never a good idea. Consensus is always a better situation where both people are agreeing, however long it takes, they're come to coming to an agreement about the best way. And they're agreeing to try it out for a little while and see whether they can both live with it. And if not, they're agreeing to come back to the table and, and work, out the, work out the bugs. Right. And the court system can't handle that. I mean, it, it's just a, a completely different, it's a very black and white system. It's a guilty or innocent. It's that everybody, all the 12 jurors have to agree in a criminal case about something, which thank goodness, because otherwise we would, I think very often end up with a wrong decision. But uh, judges are not psychologists. And very often, uh, people can portray themselves very differently in public than how they are in private. Mm -hmm. Very often one partner or the other can afford to hire a lawyer who is more aggressive or more skilled, mm -hmm. uh, more friendly with the judge. I mean, goodness knows that happens in some jurisdictions where uh, judges are elected and and lawyers are allowed to contribute to election campaign. Like there are so many reasons why it's mm. not the right venue to be and, deciding and that's, this kind of thing. Yeah, and that's so tragic because the decisions are being based on variables that shouldn't that shouldn't play a role. They, they shouldn't play a role. The other thing that shouldn't play a role is this idea that it it's everything is 
so messed up, but that essentially the custody situation, and you have to know that the situation that I'm talking about today where a child is, is spending time in two homes, mm-hmm. it's a brand new concept really to humanity because about 40 years ago in California, there were the first family court cases where moms and dads were getting joint physical custody. Mm-hmm. That never existed as an option before so recently. So before that, the parents would get divorced. Almost always mom kept the kids and the dad would either visit or not visit. In some rare cases, you know, dad would keep the kids and mom was shut out in the same way. Mm-hmm. So the idea of children sharing two households where there are potentially two sets of parents and not just some children, 50% of children wow. in Western societies are having this experience before they're 18 years old. Wow. It's so easy to see how they would feel so displaced wherever they go. I can I, I never go, looked at no it. There is no home. That. There is no place where you're completely safe, where you can say everything about how you feel. When and you, yeah. when you say, I'm really missing mom right now. Right. How, what does he do with that? Right. And that's where you're supposed to feel safe and secure. Exactly. And that's, and that's where you're, whatever you say is, is hurting the other people. Maybe used against you. Wow. That's so interesting. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Um, I want to make sure that they know that it's not hopeless, that children who are being really purposefully alienated from their other parent will figure it out. They will. And it depends on your ability to be persistent and to keep the right, obviously mindset is huge in this. It's very hard to stay in the game when you're being rejected again and again and again and again. It's very, very hard. And I, I saw it in my own household and I'm I admire my husband so much for how he was able to get through it. And it's not like that he just soldiered through. I, I went through all those ups and downs with him where he really felt like giving up. And that was, that was where I was able to make a contribution as a life partner and a stepmom. But it all needs to be worked out between the biological parent and the child. So I can't, I can't get in there as a stepmom and hope to make up in some way for the apparently bad mothering mm-hmm. that, or the apparent lack of love or attention coming from the other side. I can offer what I have to offer as a person, which is often well received, but you, there's a, a feeling from stepmoms, I know because the ones in my Facebook group talk about this all the time, of feeling responsible. Mm-hmm. because you're in this situation you want to fix things that are happening in the family the bigger family dynamic you want to just give everybody a big hug and make everything yeah. be okay and just the other day i had a kind of epiphany of my own which is that like i have a very loving mother and we have a great relationship my mom and dad um they were they were terrific parents and yet there are some things that i didn't get from my own mother in my emotional life, my emotional development, let's say. And that's, this is the human condition. But I can identify things that I didn't get from my mother or my father. And as an adult, I've gotten what I need 
from in other places, from my partner, from other people that I know, from myself, from parenting my inner child, all of that work, right? So I got what I needed from somewhere else, but nobody can take away the painful feeling of not having gotten what I needed from my mother. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a, it's a subtle point, but I think that's where it's easy for us to say, well, let me step in and, and fix this, you know, fill this gap. Let me do that. Mm. And you can fill the gap, but you can't ever, you can't ever take away the, the result or the painful feeling of a child not getting something that they need, whatever it is from their biological parent. Right. So it sounds like just be empathetic as the yeah. step parent and as the parent who's in this scenario, uh, just come from your highest place. And if you don't have enough incentive, do it for your kids. Exactly. Period. And I, you know, I would just say that there are, um, I have a quick kind of five C framework about about communicating in a nonverbal way so that kids feel that you that you're a safe person and that you love them which is being consistent have routine have rhythm in your household be a reliable person be consistent mm -hmm. show up and do what you say you're going to do uh, the second one is contact never give up trying there may be periods of time where the kids really don't want to see you or be near you, but you have to keep, keep up the contact and not mm -hmm. feel, you know, you don't want to be harassing them, but to continue to have contact. Mm -hmm. Cooperation, don't argue with them. Don't say, where did you get that idea? Why would your mother say that? You find a way to agree with them about what's happening and, uh, you know, bring them in with a cooperating attitude and mm -hmm. not fighting with what they're telling you. Mm -hmm. Credibility, Find ways to be validated by other people. Make sure that you're spending time with other people who think you're an okay person, with other adults who like you, with other families, other divorced families that get along well, mm -hmm. to, to build up your credibility that, um, that you are a good person because, mm -hmm. because they see other people who treat you with respect. Right. And consensus, this idea of, of using consensus to also to help the children set boundaries that they need in your home uh, without you having to make rules that they can, it's a, it's a point where they can fight with you. Mm. Tracy, this was so helpful. I'm sure so many uh, parents and step parents got so much out of this. Where do we go to learn more about you? Uh, well, I have a six month program for dads called restorative parenting. They can learn more about that by emailing me at Tracy at tracypoisner.com. And my stepmom stuff is all located at essentialstepmom.com. Terrific. And we'll have everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for your insight and wisdom. I know you helped so many people today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I learned so much from that episode, like the three most common ways parents hurt and confuse their kids as they subtly or not so subtly say or do certain things. One, emotional blackmail, where you're saying something that encourages the child to reject one of their parents. And as Tracy said, when they reject a parent, they're rejecting themselves because that parent is a part of them. Two, brainwashing, where you're trying to get your child on your side. Three, gaslighting, 
where you're deliberately manufacturing and manipulating something so your child creates a specific belief. Stay in touch with Tracy by going to EssentialStepmom.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. The five C's. One, consistency. Two, contact. Three, cooperation. Four, credibility. Five, consensus. Of course you're not trying to hurt your child. I know that, and I know that you may be incredibly angry, resentful, and other emotions left in the wake of someone else's actions. We got you. Take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.